0: wild apples by henry david thoreau this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org the history of the apple tree it is remarkable how closely the history of the apple tree is connected with that of man the geologist tells us that the order of the rosea which includes the apple, also the true grasses, and the labiate, or mints, were introduced only a short time previous to the appearance of man on the globe. It appears that apples made a part of the food of that unknown primitive people whose traces have lately been found at the bottom of the Swiss lakes, supposed to be older than the foundation of Rome, so old that they had no metallic implements. An entire black and shriveled crab apple has been recovered from their stores. Tacitus says of the ancient Germans that they satisfied their hunger with wild apples, among other things. Niebuhr observes that the words for a house, a field, a plow, plowing, wine, oil, milk, sheep, apples, and others relating to agriculture and the gentler ways of life, agree in Latin and Greek while the latin words for all objects pertaining to war or the chase are utterly alien from the greek thus the apple tree may be considered a symbol of peace no less than the olive the apple was early so important and so generally distributed that its name traced to its root in many languages signifies fruit in general melon melon in greek means an apple also the fruit of other trees also a sheep and any cattle and finally riches in general the apple tree has been celebrated by the hebrews greeks romans and scandinavians some have thought that the first human pair were tempted by its fruit goddesses are famed to have contended for it dragons were set to watch it and heroes were employed to pluck it the tree is mentioned in at least three places in the old testament and its fruit in two or three more solomon sings as the apple tree among the trees of the wood so is my beloved among the sons and again stay me with flagons comfort me with apples the noblest part of man's noblest feature is named from this fruit the apple of the eye the apple tree is also mentioned by Homer and Herodotus. Ulysses saw in the glorious garden of Alcinous pears and pomegranates and apple trees bearing beautiful fruit. And according to Homer, apples were among the fruits which Tantalus could not pluck, the wind ever blowing their boughs away from him. Theophrastus knew and described the apple tree as a botanist. According to the prose Edda, iduna keeps in a box the apples which the gods when they feel old age approaching have only to taste of to become young again it is in this manner that they will be kept in renovated youth until ragnarok or the destruction of the gods i learned from loudon that the ancient welsh bards were rewarded for excelling in song by the token of the apple spray and in the highlands of scotland The apple tree is the badge of the clan Lamont. The apple tree belongs chiefly to the northern temperate zone. Loudon says that it grows spontaneously in every part of Europe except the frigid zone and throughout Western Asia, China, and Japan. We have also two or three varieties of the apple indigenous in North America. The cultivated apple tree was first introduced into this country by the earliest settlers and is thought to do as well or better here than anywhere else probably some of the varieties which are now cultivated were first introduced into britain by the romans pliny adopted the distinction of theophrastus saying of trees there are some which are altogether wild some more civilized theophrastus includes the apple among the last and indeed it is in this sense the most civilized of all trees it is as harmless as a dove as beautiful as a rose and as valuable as flocks and herds it has been longer cultivated than any other and so is more humanized and who knows but like the dog it will at length be no longer traceable to its wild original it migrates with man like the dog and horse and cow first perchance from greece to italy thence to england thence to america and our western emigrant is still marching steadily toward the setting sun with the seeds of the apple in his pocket or perhaps a few young trees strapped to his load at least a million apple trees are thus set farther west this year than any cultivated ones grew last year consider how the blossom wheat like the sabbath is thus annually spread over the prairies For when man migrates, he carries with him not only his birds, quadrupeds, insects, vegetables, and his very sward, but his orchard also. The leaves and tender twigs are an agreeable food to many domestic animals, as the cow, horse, sheep, and goat, and the fruit is sought after by the first as well as by the hog. Thus, there appears to have existed a natural alliance between these animals. In this tree from the first the fruit of the crab in the forests of france is said to be a great resource for the wild boar not only the indian but many indigenous insects birds and quadrupeds welcomed the apple tree to these shores the tent caterpillar saddled her eggs on the very first twig that was formed and it has since shared her affections with the wild cherry and the canker worm also, in a measure, abandoned the elm to feed on it. As it grew apace, the bluebird, robin, cherry bird, kingbird, and many more, came with haste and built their nests and warbled in its boughs, and so became orchard birds, and multiplied more than ever. It was an era in the history of their race. The downy woodpecker found such a savory morsel under its bark, that he perforated it in a ring quite round the tree before he left it a thing which he had never done before to my knowledge it did not take the partridge long to find out how sweet its buds were and every winter eve she flew and still flies from the wood to pluck them much to the farmer's sorrow the rabbit too was not slow to learn the taste of its twigs and bark and when the fruit was ripe the squirrel half-rolled, half-carried it to his hole, and even the musquash crept up the bank from the brook at evening, and greedily devoured it, until he had worn a path in the grass there, and when it was frozen and thawed, the crow and the jay were glad to taste it occasionally. The owl crept in the first apple-tree that became hollow, and fairly hooted with delight, finding it just the place for him, so settling down into it, he has remained there ever since my theme being the wild apple i will merely glance at some of the seasons in the annual growth of the cultivated apple and pass on to my special province the flowers of the apple are perhaps the most beautiful of any tree so copious and so delicious to both sight and scent the walker is frequently tempted to turn and linger near some more than usually handsome ones whose blossoms are two-thirds expanded How superior it is in these respects to the pear, whose blossoms are neither colored nor fragrant. By the middle of July, green apples are so large as to remind us of codling, and of the autumn. The sward is commonly strewed with little ones which fall stillborn, as it were, nature thus thinning them for us. The Roman writer Palladius says, If apples are inclined to fall before their time, A stone placed in a split root will retain them some such notion still surviving may account for some of the stones which we see placed to be overgrown in the forks of trees they have a saying in suffolk england at michaelmas time or a little before half an apple goes to the core early apples begin to be ripe about the first of august but i think that none of them are so good to eat as some to smell one is worth more to scent your handkerchief with than any perfume which they sell in the shops the fragrance of some fruits is not to be forgotten along with that of flowers some gnarly apple which i pick up in the road reminds me by its fragrance of all the wealth of pomona carrying me forward to those days when they will be collected in golden and ruddy heaps in the orchards and about the cider mills a week or two later as you are going by orchards or gardens, especially in the evenings, you pass through a little region possessed by the fragrance of ripe apples, and thus enjoy them without price and without robbing anybody. There is thus about all natural products a certain volatile and ethereal quality which represents their highest value, and which cannot be vulgarized or bought and sold. No mortal has ever enjoyed the perfect flavor of any fruit, and only the godlike among men begin to taste its ambrosial qualities. For nectar and ambrosia are only those fine flavors of every earthly fruit which our coarse palates fail to perceive, just as we occupy the heaven of the gods without knowing it. When I see a particularly mean man carrying a load of fair and fragrant early apples to market, I seem to see a contest going on between him and his horse on the one side and the apples on the other, and to my mind the apples always gain it. Pliny says that apples are the heaviest of all things, and that the oxen begin to sweat at the mere sight of a load of them. Our driver begins to lose his load the moment he tries to transport them to where they do not belong, that is, to any but the most beautiful. Though he gets out from time to time, and feels of them, and thinks they are all there, I see the stream of their evanescent and celestial qualities going to heaven from his cart while the pulp and skin and core are only going to market they are not apples but pomace are these not still iduna's apples the taste of which keeps the gods forever young and think you that they will let loki or Thasi carry them off to juttenheim while they grow wrinkled and gray no Baraknarak or the destruction of the gods is not yet there is another thinning of the fruit commonly near the end of august or in september when the ground is strewn with windfalls and this happens especially when high winds occur after rain in some orchards you may see fully three-quarters of the whole crop on the ground lying in a circular form beneath the trees yet hard and green or if it is a hillside rolled far down the hill However, it is an ill wind that blows nobody any good. All the country over, people are picking up the windfalls, and this will make them cheap for early apple pies. In October, the leaves falling. The apples are more distinct on the trees. I saw one year in a neighboring town some trees fuller of fruit than I remember to have ever seen before. Small yellow apples hang over the road. The branches were gracefully drooping with their weight like a barberry bush so that the whole tree acquired a new character even the topmost branches instead of standing erect spread and drooped in all directions and there were so many poles supporting the lower ones that they looked like the pictures of banyan trees as an old english manuscript says the more apple in the tree beareth the more she boweth to the folk surely the apple is the noblest of fruits let the most beautiful or the swiftest have it that should be the going price of apples between the fifth and twentieth of october i see the barrels lie under the trees perhaps i talk with one who is selecting some choice barrels to fulfil an order he turns a speckled one over many times before he leaves it out if i were to tell what is passing in my mind i should say that every one was speckled which he had handled for he rubs off all of the bloom and those fugacious ethereal qualities leave it cool evenings prompt the farmers to make haste and at length i see only the ladders here and there left leaning against the trees would be well if we accepted these gifts with more joy and gratitude and did not think it enough simply to put a fresh load of compost about the tree some old english customs are suggestive at least i find them described chiefly in brand's popular antiquities it appears that on christmas eve the farmers and their men in devonshire take a large bowl of cider with a toast in it and carry it in state to the orchard they salute the apple trees with much ceremony in order to make them bear well the next season this salutation consists in throwing some of the cider about the roots of the tree placing bits of the toast on the branches and then encircling one of the best-bearing trees in the orchard they drink the following toast three several times here's to thee old apple-tree whence thou mayest bud and whence thou mayest blow and whence thou mayest bear apples you know hats full caps full bushel bushel sacks full and my pockets full too hurrah also what was called apple howling used to be practiced in various counties in england on new year's eve A troop of boys visited the different orchards and encircling the apple trees repeated the following words stand fast root. farewell top pray god send us a good howling crop every twig apples big every bough apples now." then they shout in chorus one of the boys accompanied them on a cow's horn during this ceremony they wrap the trees with their sticks this is called wassailing the trees and is thought by some to be a relic of the heathen sacrifice to pomona herrick sings "Wassel the trees that they may bear you many a plum and many a pear for more or less fruits they will bring as you so give them wassailing our poets have as yet a better right to sing of cider than of wine, but it behooves them to sing better than English Phillips did, else they will do no credit to their muse. The wild apple. So much for the more civilized apple trees, urbaniores, as Pliny calls them. I love better to go through the old orchards of ungrafted apple trees, at whatever season of the year, so irregularly planted. Sometimes two trees standing close together, and the rows so devious that you would think that they had not only grown while the owner was sleeping, but had been set out by him in a somnambulic state. The rows of grafted fruit will never tempt me to wander amid them like this. But I now, alas, speak rather from memory than from any recent experience. Such ravages have been made. Some soils, Like a rocky tract called the Easterbrook's country and my neighborhood are so suited to the apple that it will grow faster in them without any care, or if only the ground is broken up once a year, than it will in many places with any amount of care. The owners of this tract allow that the soil is excellent for fruit, but they say that it is so rocky that they have not patience to plow it, and that together with the distance is the reason why it is not cultivated there are or more recently extensive orchards there standing without order nay they spring up wild and bear well there in the midst of pines birches maples and oaks i'm often surprised to see rising amid these trees the rounded tops of apple trees glowing with red or yellow fruit in harmony with the autumnal tints of the forest going up the side of a cliff about the first of november i saw a vigorous young apple-tree which planted by birds or cows had shot up amid the rocks and open woods there and had now much fruit on it uninjured by the frosts, when all cultivated apples were gathered it was a rank wild growth with many green leaves on it still and made an impression of thorniness the fruit was hard and green but looked as if it would be palatable in the winter some was hanging on the twigs but more half buried in the wet leaves under the tree or rolled far down the hill amid the rocks the owner knows nothing of it the day was not observed when it first blossomed nor when it first bore fruit unless by the chickadee there was no dancing on the green beneath it in its honour and now there is no hand to pluck its fruit which is only gnawed by squirrels as i perceive it has done double duty not only borne this crop, but each twig has grown a foot into the air. And this is such fruit, bigger than many berries, we must admit, and carried home will be sound and palatable next spring. What care I for Iduna's apples, so long as I can get these? When I go by this shrub, thus, late and hardy, and see its dangling fruit, I respect the tree, and I am grateful for nature's bounty, even though I cannot eat it here on this rugged and woody hillside has grown an apple-tree not planted by man no relic of a former orchard but a natural growth like the pines and oaks most fruits which we prize and use depend entirely on our care corn and grain potatoes peaches melons etc depend altogether on our planting but the apple emulates man's independence and enterprise it is not simply carried as i have said but like him to some extent it is migrated to this new world and is even here and there making its way amid the aboriginal trees just as the ox and dog and horse sometimes run wild and maintain themselves even the sourest and crabbidest apple growing in the most unfavorable position suggests such thoughts as these it is so noble a fruit the crab nevertheless our wild apple is wild only like myself perchance who belong not to the aboriginal race here but have strayed into the woods from the cultivated stock wilder still as i have said there grows elsewhere in this country a native and aboriginal crab apple whose nature has not yet been modified by cultivation It is found from western new york to minnesota and southward michaud says that its ordinary height is fifteen or eighteen feet but it is sometimes found twenty-five or thirty feet high and that the large ones exactly resemble the common apple tree the flowers are white mingled with rose color and are collected in coriums they are remarkable for their delicious odor the fruit according to him about an inch and a half in diameter and is intensely acid yet they make fine sweetmeats and also cider of them he concludes that if on being cultivated it does not yield new and palatable varieties it will at least be celebrated for the beauty of its flowers and for the sweetness of its perfume i never saw the crab apple till may 1861 i had heard of it through michaud but more modern botanists so far as i know have not treated it as of any particular importance thus it was a half-fabulous tree to me i contemplated a pilgrimage to the glades a portion of pennsylvania where it was said to grow to perfection i thought of sending to a nursery for it but doubted if they had it or would distinguish it from european varieties at last i had occasion to go to minnesota and on entering michigan i began to notice from the cars a tree with handsome rose-colored flowers at first i thought it some variety of thorn but it was not long before the truth flashed on me that this was my long-sought crab-apple it was the prevailing flowering shrub or tree to be seen from the cars at that season of the year about the middle of may but the cars never stopped before one, and so I was launched on the bosom of the Mississippi without having touched one, experiencing the fate of Tantalus. On arriving at St. Anthony's Falls, I was sorry to be told that I was too far north for the crab-apple. Nevertheless, I succeeded in finding it about eight miles west of the falls, touched it and smelled it, and secured a lingering quorum of flowers for my herbarium this must have been near its northern limit how the wild apple grows but though these are indigenous like the indians i doubt whether they are any harder than those backwoodsmen among the apple trees which though descended from cultivated stocks plant themselves in distant fields and forests where the soil is favourable to them i know of no trees which have more difficulties to contend with and which more sturdily resist their foes, these are the ones whose story we have to tell. It oftentimes reads thus, near the beginning of May, we notice little thickets of apple trees just springing up in the pastures where cattle have been, as the rocky ones of our Easterbrooks country, or the top of Nobscot Hill in Sudbury. One or two of these perhaps survived the drought and other accidents their very birthplace defending them against the encroaching grass and some other dangers at first in two years time tad thus reached the level of the rocks mired the stretching world nor feared the wandering flocks but at this tender age its suffering began there came a browsing ox and cut it down a span this time perhaps the ox does not notice it amid the grass but the next year when it has grown more stout, he recognizes it for a fellow emigrant from the old country, the flavor of whose leaves and twigs he well knows. And though at first he pauses to welcome it, and express his surprise, and gets for answer, the same cause that brought you here brought me, he nevertheless browses it again, reflecting it may be that he has some title to it, thus cut down annually it does not despair but putting forth two short twigs for every one cut off it spreads out low along the ground in the hollows or between the rocks growing more stout and scrubby until it forms not a tree as yet but a little pyramidal stiff twiggy mass almost as solid and impenetrable as a rock some of the densest and most impenetrable clumps of bushes that i have ever seen as well on account of the closeness and stubbornness of their branches as of their thorns have been these wild apple scrubs they are more like the scrubby fir and black spruce on which you stand and sometimes walk on the tops of mountains where cold is it the demon they contend with than anything else no wonder they are prompted to grow thorns at last to defend themselves against such foes in their thorniness however there is no malice only some malic acid the rocky pastures of the tract i have referred to for they maintain their ground best in a rocky field are thickly sprinkled with these little tufts reminding you often of some rigid gray mosses or lichens and you see thousands of little trees just springing up between them with the seeds still attached to them being regularly clipped all around each year by the cows as a hedge with shears, they are often of a perfect conical or pyramidal form, from one to four feet high, and more or less sharp, as if trimmed by the gardener's art. In the pastures on Knobscot Hill, in its spurs, they make fine dark shadows when the sun is low. They are also an excellent covert from hawks for many small birds that roost and build in them, whole flocks perch in them at night and i have seen three robins nests in one which was six feet in diameter no doubt many of these are already old trees if you reckon from the day they were planted but infants still when you consider their development and the long life before them i counted the annual rings of some which were just one foot high and as wide as high and found that they were about twelve years old but quite sound and thrifty they were so low that they were unnoticed by the walker while many of their contemporaries from the nurseries were already bearing considerable crops but what you gain in time is perhaps in this case too lost in power that is in the vigor of the tree this is their pyramidal state the cows continue to browse them thus for twenty years or more keeping them down and compelling them to spread till at last they are so broad that they become their own fence when some interior shoot which their foes cannot reach darts upward with joy for it has not forgotten its high calling and bears its own peculiar fruit in triumph such are the tactics by which it finally defeats its bovine foes now if you watch the progress of a particular shrub you will see that it is no longer a simple pyramid or cone but out of its apex there rises a sprig or two, growing more lustily perchance than an orchard tree, since the plant now devotes the whole of its repressed energy to these upright parts. In a short time these become a small tree, an inverted pyramid resting on the apex of the other, so that the whole has now the form of a vast hourglass. The spreading bottom, having served its purpose, finally disappears and the generous tree permits the now harmless cows to come in and stand in its shade, and rub against it, and redden its trunk, which is grown in spite of them, and even to taste a part of its fruit, and so disperse the seed. Thus the cows create their own shade and food, and the tree, its hourglass being inverted, lives a second life, as it were it is an important question with some nowadays whether you should trim young apple trees as high as your nose or as high as your eyes the ox trims them up as high as he can reach and that is about the right height i think in spite of wandering kind and the other adverse circumstance that despised shrub valued only by small birds as a covert and shelter from hawks has its blossom week at last and in course of time its harvest sincere though small by the end of some october when its leaves have fallen i frequently see such a central twig whose progress i have watched when i thought it had forgotten its destiny as i had bearing its first crop of small green or yellow or rosy fruit which the cows cannot get at over the bushy and thorny hedge which surrounds it and i make haste to taste the new and undescribed variety we have all heard of the numerous varieties of fruit invented by van mans and knight this is the system of van Kau, and she has invented far more and more memorable varieties than both of them through what hardships it may attain to bear a sweet fruit though somewhat small it may prove equal if not superior in flavor to that which is grown in a garden it will perchance be all the sweeter and more palatable for the very difficulties it has had to contend with. Who knows but this chance wild fruit, planted by a cow or a bird on some remote and rocky hillside, where it is as yet unobserved by man, may be the choicest of all its kind, and foreign potentate shall hear of it, and royal societies seek to propagate it, though the virtues of the perhaps truly crabbed owner of the soil may never be heard of. At least beyond the limits of his village it was thus the porter and the baldwin crew every wild apple shrub excites our expectation thus somewhat as every wild child it is perhaps a prince in disguise what a lesson to man so are human beings referred to the highest standard the celestial fruit which they suggest and aspire to bear browsed on by fate and only the most persistent and strongest genius defends itself and prevails sends a tender scion upward at last and drops its perfect fruit on the ungrateful earth poets and philosophers and statesmen thus spring up in the country pastures and outlast the hosts of unoriginal men such is always the pursuit of knowledge the celestial fruits the golden apples of the hesperides are ever guarded by a hundred-headed dragon which never sleeps so that it is an herculean labour to pluck them this is one and the most remarkable way in which the wild apple is propagated but commonly it springs up at wide intervals in woods and swamps and by the sides of roads as the soil may suit it and grows with comparative rapidity those which grow in dense forests are very tall and slender i frequently pluck from these trees a perfectly mild and tamed fruit as palladius says and the ground is strewn with the fruit of an unbidden apple tree it is an old notion that if these wild trees do not bear a valuable fruit of their own they are the best stocks by which to transmit to posterity the most highly prized qualities of others however i am not in search of stocks but the wild fruit itself whose fierce gust has suffered no inteneration it is not my highest plot to plant the bergamot the fruit and its flavor the time for wild apples is the last of october and the first of november they then get to be palatable for they ripen late and they are still perhaps as beautiful as ever i make a great account of these fruits which the farmers do not think it worth the while to gather wild flavors of the mews vivacious and inspiriting the farmer thinks that he has better in his barrels but he is mistaken unless he has a walker's appetite and imagination neither of which can he have such as grow quite wild and are left out till the first of november i presume that the owner does not mean to gather they belong to children as wild as themselves, to certain active boys that I know, to the wild-eyed woman of the fields, to whom nothing comes amiss, who gleans after all the world, and moreover, to us walkers. We have met with them, and they are ours. These rights, long enough insisted upon, have come to be an institution in some old countries, where they have learned how to live. I hear that the custom of grippling— which may be called apple gleaning, is or was formerly practiced in Herefordshire. It consists in leaving a few apples, which are called dribbles, on every tree after the general gathering for the boys who go with climbing poles and bags to collect them. As for those I speak of, I pluck them as wild fruit, native to this quarter of the earth. Fruit of old trees that have been dying ever since I was a boy, and are not yet dead, frequented only by the woodpecker and the squirrel, deserted now by the owner, who has not faith enough to look under their boughs. From the appearance of the treetop, at a little distance you would expect nothing but lichens to drop from it. But your faith is rewarded by finding the ground strewn with spirited fruit, some of it perhaps collected at squirrel holes, with the marks of their teeth by which they carried them, some containing a cricket or two, silently feeding within, and some especially in damp days, a shellless snail, the very sticks and stones lodged in the tree-top might have convinced you of the savouriness of the fruit which has been so eagerly sought after in past years. I have seen no account of these among the fruits and fruit trees of America, though they are more memorable to my taste than the grafted kinds, more racy and wild American flavors do they possess when october and november when december and january perhaps february march even have assuaged them somewhat an old farmer in my neighbourhood who always selects the right word says that they have a kind of bow arrow tang apples for grafting appear to have been selected commonly not so much for their spirited flavour as for their mildness their size and bearing qualities not so much for their beauty as for their fairness and soundness. Indeed, I have no faith in the selected lists of pomological gentlemen. Their favorites, and non and seek no farthers, when I have fruited them, commonly turn out very tame and forgettable. They are eaten with comparatively little zest, and have no real tang nor smack to them. What if some of these wildings are acrid and puckery, genuine verjuice, do they not still belong to the pomaceae which are uniformly innocent and kind to our race i still begrudge them to the cider mill perhaps they are not fairly ripe yet no wonder that these small and high-coloured apples are thought to make the best cider loudon quotes from the herefordshire report that apples of a small size are always if equal in quality to be preferred to those of a larger size in order that the rind and kernel may bear the greatest proportion to the pulp, which affords the weakest and most watery juice. And he says that, to prove this, Dr. Simmons of Hereford, about the year 1800, made one hogshead of cider entirely from the rinds and cores of apples, and another from the pulp only, when the first was found of extraordinary strength and flavor, while the latter was sweet and insipid. Evelyn says that the red strake was the favorite cider apple in his day, and he quotes one Dr. Newberg as saying, In Jersey, tis a general observation, as I hear, that the more of red any apple has in its rind, the more proper it is for this use. Pale-faced apples they exclude as much as may be from their cider vat. This opinion still prevails. All apples are good in November those which the farmer leaves out as unsaleable and unpalatable to those who frequent the markets are choicest fruit to the walker but it is remarkable that the wild apple which i praise as so spirited and racy when eaten in the fields or woods being brought into the house has frequently a harsh and crabbed taste the saunterer's apple not even the saunterer can eat in the house the palate rejects it there as it does haws and acorns and demands a tamed one for there you miss the november air which is the sauce it is to be eaten with accordingly when Tityrus, seeing the lengthening shadows invites melibeus to go home and pass the night with him he promises him mild apples and soft chestnuts i frequently pluck wild apples of so rich and spicy a flavor that i wonder all orchardists do not get a scion from that tree and i fail not to bring home my pockets full but perchance when i take one out of my desk and taste it in my chamber i find it unexpectedly crude sour enough to set a squirrel's teeth on edge and make a jay scream these apples have hung in the wind and frost and rain till they have absorbed the qualities of the weather or season and thus are highly seasoned, and they pierce and sting, and permeate us with their spirit. They must be eaten in season, accordingly, that is, out of doors. To appreciate the wild and sharp flavors of these October fruits, it is necessary that you be breathing the sharp October or November air. The outdoor air and exercise which the walker gets give a different tone to his palate and he craves a fruit which the sedentary would call harsh and crabbed. They must be eaten in the fields, when your system is all aglow with exercise, when the frosty weather nips your fingers, the wind rattles the bare boughs, or rustles the few remaining leaves, and the jay is heard screaming around. What is sour in the house, a bracing walk makes sweet. Some of these apples might be labeled to be eaten in the wind, of course, no flavors are thrown away. They are intended for the taste that is up to them. Some apples have two distinct flavors, and perhaps one half of them must be eaten in the house, the other outdoors. One Peter Whitney wrote from Northborough in 1782 for the proceedings of the Boston Academy, describing an apple tree in that town producing fruit of opposite qualities part of the same apple being frequently sour and the other sweet also some all sour and others all sweet and this diversity on all parts of the tree there is a wild apple on naushatuck hill in my town which has to me a peculiarly pleasant bitter tang not perceived till it is three-quarters tasted it remains on the tongue as you eat it it smells exactly like a squash bug it is a sort of triumph to eat and relish it. I hear that the fruit of a kind of plum tree in province is called prune sibarales because it is impossible to whistle after having eaten them from their sourness. But perhaps they are only eaten in the house and in summer, and if tried out of doors in a stinging atmosphere. Who knows but you could whistle an octave higher and clearer, in the fields only are the sours and bitters of nature appreciated, just as the woodchopper eats his meal in a sunny glade, in the middle of a winter day, with content, bass in a sunny ray there, and dreams of summer in a degree of cold which, experienced in a chamber, would make a student miserable. They who are at work abroad are not cold, but rather it is they who sit shivering in houses. As with temperatures, so with flavors." as with cold and heat so with sour and sweet this natural raciness the sours and bitters which the diseased palate refuses are the true condiments let your condiments be in the condition of your senses to appreciate the flavor of these wild apples requires vigorous and healthy senses papillae firm and erect on the tongue and palate not easily flattened and tamed from my experience with wild apples i can understand that there may be reason for a savage's preferring many kinds of food which the civilized man rejects the former has the palate of an outdoor man it takes a savage or wild taste to appreciate a wild fruit what a healthy out-of-door appetite it takes to relish the apple of life the apple of the world then nor is it every apple i desire nor that which pleases every palate best 'Tis not the lasting douchen I require, nor yet the red cheeked greening I request, nor that which first beshrewed the name of wife, nor that whose beauty caused the golden strife. No no, bring me an apple from the tree of life. So there is one thought for the field, another for the house. I would have my thoughts like wild apples to be food for walkers, it will not warrant them to be palatable. tasted in the house their beauty almost all wild apples are handsome they cannot be too gnarly and crabbed and rusty to look at the gnarliest will have some redeeming traits even to the eye you will discover some evening redness dashed or sprinkled on some protuberance or in some cavity it is rare that the summer lets an apple go without streaking or spotting it on some part of its sphere it will have some red stains commemorating the mornings and evenings it has witnessed some dark and rusty blotches in memory of the clouds and foggy mildewy days that have passed over it and a spacious field of green reflecting the general face of nature green even as the fields or yellow ground which implies a milder flavor yellow as the harvest, or russet as the hills. Apple, these I mean unspeakably fair, apples not of discord, but concord, yet not so rare, but that the homeliest may have a share. Painted by the frost, some a uniform clear bright yellow or red or crimson, as if their spheres had regularly revolved and enjoyed the influence of the sun on all sides alike some with the faintest pink blush imaginable, some brindled with deep red streaks like a cow, or with hundreds of fine blood-red rays running regularly from the stem dimple to the blossom end, like meridional lines on a straw-colored ground, some touched with a greenish rust like a fine lichen, here and there, with crimson blotches or eyes more or less confluent and fiery when wet, and others gnarly and freckled or peppered all over on the stem side with fine crimson spots on a white ground as if accidentally sprinkled from the brush of him who paints the autumn leaves others again are sometimes red inside perfused with a beautiful blush fairy food too beautiful to eat apple of the hesperides apple of the evening sky but like shells and pebbles on the seashore they must be seen as they sparkle amid the withering trees in some dell in the woods and the autumnal air or as they lie on the wet grass and not when they have wilted and faded in the house the naming of them would be a pleasant pastime to find suitable names for the hundred varieties which go to a single heap at the cider mill would it not tax a man's invention no one to be named after a man and all in the lingua vernacula who shall stand godfather at the christening of the wild apples would exhaust the latin and greek languages if they were used and make the lingua vernacula flag We should have to call in the sunrise and the sunset the rainbow and the autumn woods and the wild flowers and the woodpecker and the purple finch and the squirrel and the jay and the butterfly the november traveller and the truant boy to our aid in eighteen thirty six there were in the garden of the london horticultural society more than fourteen hundred distinct sorts but here are species which they have not in their catalogue not to mention the varieties which our crab might yield to cultivation let us enumerate a few of these i find myself compelled after all to give the latin names of some for the benefit of those who live where english is not spoken for they are likely to have a world-wide reputation there is first of all the wood apple Malus sylvatica the blue jay apple the apple which grows in dells in the woods silvestrius valis also in hollows and pastures Campus trevalis the apple that grows in an old cellar hole malus cellaris the meadow apple the partridge apple the truant's apple cesatoris which no boy will ever go by without knocking off some however late it may be the saunterer's apple you must lose yourself before you can find the way to that the beauty of the air dex arius December eating, the frozen thawed, gelato soluta, Good only in that state. The concord apple, possibly the same as musqueta kidensis. The acipet apple. The brindled apple, wine of New England. The chicory apple. The green apple, malus viridis. This has many synonyms. In an imperfect state, it is the cholera morbifera aut FERA, perulis delectissima, the apple which Atalantis stopped to pick up, the hedge apple, malicepium, the slug apple, limacea, the railroad apple, which perhaps came from a core thrown out of the cars, the apple whose fruit we tasted in our youth, our particular apple not to be found in any catalogue pedestrium solatium also the apple where hangs the forgotten scythe iduna's apples and the apples which loki found in the wood and a great many more i have on my list too numerous to mention all of them good as bodeus exclaims referring to the cultivated kinds and adapting virgil to his case so i adapting bodeus, not if I had a hundred tongues, a hundred mouths, an iron voice, could I describe all the forms and reckon up all the names of these wild apples. the last gleaning by the middle of November, the wild apples have lost some of their brilliancy and have chiefly fallen. A great part are decayed on the ground, and the sound ones are more palatable than before. The note of the chickadees sounds now more distinct. As you wander amid the old trees, and the autumnal dandelion is half closed and tearful. But still, if you are a skillful gleaner, you may get many a pocketful, even of grafted fruit, long after apples are supposed to be gone out of doors. I know a blue pearmain tree growing within the edge of a swamp almost as good as wild. You would not suppose that there was any fruit left there on the first survey but you must look according to system those which lie exposed are quite brown and rotten now or perchance a few still show one blooming cheek here and there amid the wet leaves nevertheless with experienced eyes i explore amid the bare alders and the huckleberry bushes and the withered sedge and in the crevices of the rocks which are full of leaves and pry under the fallen and decaying ferns which with apple and alder leaves thickly strew the ground for i know that they lie concealed fallen into hollows long since and covered up by the leaves of the tree itself a proper kind of packing from these lurking places anywhere within the circumference of the tree i draw forth the fruit all wet and glossy maybe nibbled by rabbits and hollowed out by crickets and perhaps with a leaf or two cemented to it as curzon an old manuscript from the monastery's mouldy cellar but still with a rich bloom on it and at least as ripe and well kept if not better than those in barrels more crisp and lively than they if these resources fail to yield anything i have learned to look between the bases of the suckers which spring thickly from some horizontal limb for now and then one lodges there or in the very midst of the alder clump, where they are covered by leaves, safe from cows, which may have smelled them out. If I am sharp set, for I do not refuse the blue permain, I fill my pockets on each side, and as I retrace my steps in the frosty eve, being perhaps four or five miles from home, I eat one first from this side, and from that side, to keep my balance. I learn from Topsell's Gesner Whose authority appears to be albertus that the following is the way in which the hedgehog collects and carries home his apples he says his meat is apples worms or grapes when he findeth apples or grapes on the earth he rolleth himself upon them until he have filled all his prickles and then carrieth them home to his den never bearing above one in his mouth and if it fortune that one of them fall off by the way he likewise shaketh off all the residue, and walloweth upon them afresh, until they be all settled upon his back again. So forth he goeth, making a noise like a cartwheel, and if he have any young ones in his nest, they pull off his load wherewithal he is loaded, eating thereof what they please, and laying up the residue for the time to come. THE FROZEN thawed APPLE Toward the end of November, though some of the sound ones are yet more mellow and perhaps more edible, they have generally, like the leaves, lost their beauty, and are beginning to freeze. It is finger-cold, and prudent farmers get in their barrelled apples and bring you the apples and cider which they have engaged, for it is time to put them into the cellar. Perhaps a few on the ground show their red cheeks above the early snow and occasionally some even preserve their color and soundness under the snow throughout the winter. But generally, at the beginning of the winter, they freeze hard and soon, though undecayed, acquire the color of a baked apple. Before the end of December, generally, they experience their first thawing. Those which a month ago were sour, crabbed, and quite unpalatable to the civilized taste, such at least as were frozen while sound, let a warmer sun come to thaw them for they are extremely sensitive to its rays I found to be filled with a rich sweet cider better than any bottled cider that i know of and with which i am better acquainted than with wine all apples are good in this state and your jaws are the cider press others which have more substance are a sweet and luscious food in my opinion of more worth than the pineapples which are imported from the west indies those which lately even i tasted only to repent of it for i am semi-civilized which the farmer willingly left on the tree i am now glad to find have the property of hanging on like the leaves of the young oaks it is a way to keep cider sweet without boiling let the frost come to freeze them first solid as stones and then let the rain or a warm winter day to thaw them and they will seem to have borrowed a flavor from heaven through the medium of the air in which they hang or perchance you find when you get home that those which rattled in your pocket have thawed and the ice is turning to cider but after the third or fourth freezing and thawing they will not be found so good what are the imported half-ripe fruits of the torrid south to this fruit matured by the cold of the frigid north these are those crabbed apples with which i cheated my companion and kept a smooth face that i might tempt him to eat now we both greedily fill our pockets with them bending to drink the cup and save our lappets from the overflowing juice and grow more social with their wine was there one that Hung so high and sheltered by the tangled branches that our sticks could not dislodge it. It is a fruit never carried to market that I am aware of, quite distinct from the apple of the markets, as from dried apple and cider. And it is not every winter that produces it in perfection. Hear this, ye old men, and give ear, all ye inhabitants of the land. Hath this been in your days, or even in the days of your father? that which the palmer worm hath left hath the locust eaten and that which the locust hath left hath the canker worm eaten and that which the canker worm hath left hath the caterpillar eaten awake ye drunkards and weep and howl all ye drinkers of wine because of the new wine for it is cut off from your mouth for a nation is come up upon the land strong and without number whose teeth are the teeth of a lion, and he hath the cheek-teeth of a great lion. He hath laid my vine waste, and barked my fig-tree. He hath made it clean bare, and cast it away. The branches thereof are made white. Be ye ashamed, O ye husbandmen, howl, O ye vine-dressers. The vine is dried up, and the fig-tree languisheth the pomegranate tree the palm tree also and the apple tree even all the trees of the field are withered because joy is withered away from the sons of men notes niebuhr a german historical critic of ancient life goddesses are fabled to have contended for it dragons were set to watch it and heroes were employed to pluck it the greek myths especially referred to are the choice of paris and the apples of the hesperides edda the stories of the early scandinavians laudan an english authority on the culture of orchards and gardens pomona the roman goddess of fruit and fruit trees jrtenheim in scandinavian mythology was the home of the jotun or giants Loki was a descendant of the gods and a companion of the giants. Tsi was a giant. Michaud, pronounced Michaud, a French botanist and traveler. Van Mons, a Belgian chemist and horticulturist. Knight, an English vegetable physiologist. Evelyn, an English writer of the 17th century. Papillae. A Latin word, accent on the second syllable, meaning here the rough surface of the tongue and palate. Lingua vernacula, common speech. Cholera morbifera, out disterifera perulis delectissima, the apple that brings the disease of cholera and of dysentery, the fruit that small boys like best. Pedestrium solitium the tramp's comfort curzon robert curzon was a traveller who searched for old manuscripts in the monasteries of the levant see his book ancient monasteries of the east hear this ye old men and give ear all ye inhabitants of the land hath this been in your days or even in the days of your fathers etc joel chapter one Verses 1 through 12.